0: Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. episode. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. My name is Richard Kaufman. I'm your host, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, today we have an excellent guest in. We're going to be talking about some fun stuff. We're going to be talking about business. We're going to be talking about his military career. And some of the great things he did in uniform and better things out of the uniform. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Office Allies. If anybody needs a virtual assistant, especially nowadays, it's so hard to find a great virtual assistant. So go to officeallies.va. Her name is Lisa Bowers. Truly amazing. She takes care of all of my graphics, everything like that. Definitely check her out. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Um, I love talking to my veterans, but I also love talking to special operators. And my brother, John, is ch- truly changing the game of business, and I'm so grateful to have him on. John, brother, how are you? Hey, Richard. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, man. Every day is a good day, brother. I get If I get to wake up and, ha- and get to be a daddy and a husband, I'm having a good day.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, it's another beautiful day here in Colorado, and uh, yeah, I can say the same. Being a husband and a dad is the best.
0: So what's on your agenda for today? What you got going on? Uh, well,
1: I was down at the shop uh,
0: this morning, just up to my
1: elbows in car parts in Greece, and grease, uh, and you know, working on the latest project with the business. And um, yeah, just going to be out and about running some errands uh, for the business, just staying busy, grinding as usual.
0: Okay, so now tell us a little bit about where you're from, you know, uh, where you were born and what kind of little kid was John as a little boy. So uh, yeah, I'm
1: I'm originally from Auburn, Alabama, uh, home of Auburn University. Um, My folks actually uh, met in school there. Um, Dad was uh, from Iowa, from a big family, big blue collar family there. Uh, They were big into sports. Um, My dad was a quarterback actually at the university. And uh, my, my mom was an Air Force brat. They moved all over the world. Um, her dad was a career officer in the military and then her brother later became a career officer in the military as well. So I like to think I get my athleticism and some leadership influences from my dad's family and that military influence from my mom's. Um, life was pretty, I'd say pretty normal. I played all the regular youth sports as a kid. Um, I was big into the Boy Scouts later became an Eagle Scout with that.
0: Now, um, I got a question to ask you because, um, like I said, I don't, who knows where these conversations go, but it's like two brothers having a cup of coffee together. Um, I have a nephew right now. He's almost to the uh, part where he gets his Eagle Scout, but he's kind of dragging his feet. So I'm <laughs> going to send this to him. Um, what door – has any doors opened up to you because of being an Eagle Scout?
1: 100%. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, that that sense of selfless service, that sense of service to the community that Scouts instills uh, in you at a, at a young age, it pays dividends uh, in life. Um, not only does it show that you're able to accomplish, you know, a, a great task at a young age, but it, it also helps you to kind of start, getting dialed in and focused, uh, setting goals, achieving those goals. And people look at that and they were, they, they respect that. I know it helped me with college admissions. Uh, it's helped me, uh, in my military career. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a respectable accomplishment that, um, I think youth should definitely strive to achieve.
0: So what kind of kid were you in high school? You were an athlete and were you were good in school too?
1: Um, I was a, I, yeah, I was an athlete. I played, uh, I played soccer and, uh, uh, cross country. I ran cross country, but, uh, I think I was more maybe a non-traditional athlete in the sense. Um, I was really big into, uh, bicycles and actually into BMX racing. Uh, that, that was my life as a kid, uh, for a long time, uh, raced nationally, I uh, was a state champion down in Alabama for a few years. Um, so yeah, I was definitely, uh, an athlete in that regard um, academics, kind of an average student, uh, B, C student, nothing, nothing to write home about, but, uh, yeah, uh, enjoyed my time in in high school for sure. Um, some might say I enjoyed it a little more than others, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, it was a good time.
0: So did you get any scholarships to go to college?
1: Um, I, I did. Um, so my, my mom is actually a, uh, a college professor. Uh, she's a farm uh, pharmacy professor. And so when I was coming out of high school, um, I was actually going to high school in Iowa, which is uh, where my dad's family is originally from. I was living uh, with him at the time. And my mom was a professor at West Virginia University. And um, her being faculty at the school, I did receive um, a great deal on tuition. And I did receive a partial academic scholarship as well. So it was kind of a no brainer uh, going to school there. Yeah.
0: And WVU is a pretty great school. I'm a, a big Mountaineer fan. So.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I can't tell you, I run into Mountaineer alumni all over the place. I, I, I ran into a, in Afghanistan, even ran into uh one of the, one of the ANA wearing a West Virginia hat. I'm
0: not sure who along the way gave it to him, but
1: Yeah. Great school. Great school. Great community.
0: Yeah. So now uh, what tell me your your recruiting story, because everybody has a different recruiting story. Tell me yours. So. um,
1: Yeah, so I was actually in college for uh, four years before I joined ROTC. Um, I kind of had a different glide path. I was uh, a graphic design major. I was looking to uh, pursue a different career. After the military or excuse me, after college and uh, things started changing, uh, doors started closing, I kind of started seeing the writing on the wall and uh, realized maybe that wasn't for me, didn't exactly fit into uh, the art school program. And, um, you know, I had those military influences from my family. My granddad had been telling me for years, you know, hey, ROTC, ROTC, it's the way to go. Um, when I decided to change my major from graphic design, um, I started pursuing uh, a leadership program at the university where there were a lot of uh, the cadets that were um, at the Army and Air Force ROTC program at the school. They were in these classes and just kind of started talking to them. And one thing led to another. And I realized that uh, maybe, hey, this is something that I would be really interested in. Um, so I talked to my granddad and he said, hey, you um, don't go talk to the recruiter down the street because he'll tell you whatever you want to hear to get you to sign. He's like, go talk to your ROTC recruiter he'll shoot you straight and get you moving in the right direction. Um, Well, that ROTC recruiter is going to tell you everything you want to hear to get you to sign with him anyway. So um, across the hall from the ROTC recruiter was the national guard recruiter as well. And um, as soon as I sat down with ROTC recruiters like, oh, hey, we have this program, this simultaneous mission program, I believe what it's, what it's called the SMP program where you're a contracted cadet and you're also serving in the National Guard at the same time. Uh, upon commissioning, you know, wherever you rack and stack in the order of merit um, for commissioning officers, uh, if you branch active duty, your obligation to the National Guard is no longer. If you don't branch active duty, then you'll serve in the National Guard. So um, National Guard recruiter had told me, hey, we've got this thing, National Guard Special Forces. Um, we've got a unit here in West Virginia. It'd be a great learning experience for you. Um, if you'd like to join National Guard, yeah, we could probably get you into that unit. Um, at the time, I really didn't know much about the Army. Um, I told the recruiter, hey, I wanna, I wanna fly helicopters and I wanna go to Ranger school. And um, the ROTC recruiter told me, well, Um, if you want to go to ranger school, you know, aviators don't really go to ranger school often, but if you want a shot at ranger school, branch infantry, you're guaranteed a a shot. So I said, well, Hey, what's infantry? Um, they kind of explained to me what it was. And, uh, I was like, well, yeah, Hey, you know, I grew up in the woods and, you know, I enjoy, uh, you know, sleeping on the ground and all these things. And so I just gravitated to it and really just got into the books, started learning tactics, um, really just latched onto it with that. And um, yeah, I guess uh, I, I signed, I signed up and yeah, the rest was history. I basically served myself
0: on a silver platter <laughs> to, to the army. So you went in as, as an officer?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. So um, yeah, I commissioned uh, in on the active duty uh, as an infantry officer. Yeah. I went down to the Fort Benning and, and went through, the, the infantry school, ranger school, all that good stuff. Um, I was actually a, for my first assignment, uh, I was a mechanized infantry platoon leader uh, in Korea with second ID. Um,
0: that deployment sucks.
1: Y- oh, yeah, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never experienced cold like I've experienced cold in, in Korea, but I've also never experienced uh, heat and humidity like I have <laughs> in Korea either. <laughs> but no, it was, it was a great time. I mean, uh, my time in Korea, uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, um, the guys that I served with there, uh, I I've got lifelong friendships, uh, the, the leadership that I had there too. Um, one of my greatest mentors, even to this day, uh, was my, my first battalion commander there. Um, so yeah, I, I really can't, I really can't complain. Um, it, it was a great opportunity. Uh, but yeah, then on the, after after korea you know on the back end of that hardship tour you, you get your choice of assignment um i was really gunning for uh a shot at ranger regiment uh i went to korea thinking yeah hey i can get my 12 months at pl time drop my ranger packet try to uh you know go over there uh, unfortunately you know this was uh you know during the height of uh, the g and um i was told hey you got a strong packet it's not strong enough you know you don't have combat experience so um I contacted HRC uh, since you do get choice of assignment on the back end of that that trip. And uh, I said, Hey, I want to go to the the first light infantry unit going to Afghanistan in the next six months. What do you got? So they told me, Hey, you got three options, drum Riley or Carson. And I was like, well, that's kind of a no brainer. I love Colorado. I love the mountains. I'm going, I'm going to Fort Carson. So um, yeah, I ended up going to a uh, light infantry brigade there. And that was, an amazing experience. Again, great group of guys, was able to go down range, um, had a great chain of command from my company commander up to the brigade commander. They, they were all guys that had spent time in Ranger Regiment. I think all the uh, 11 series lieutenants in our battalion were Ranger qualified, just a racked and stacked solid group of guys, had an amazing deployment. So yeah, that was a, that was a, a great Initial, uh, I guess, foundation to uh, my time in the military as an
0: infantry officer. All right, so let me ask you a question because I had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Five Coat on here a couple months ago, and we were talking about the mentality it takes to get through selection. And and like I always said, you know, like as I talked to a lot of Navy SEALs and, and like you guys, Rangers and Green Berets, Delta Force, and what it, in my mind, I always pictured some guy that was like six foot five jacked with like three percent body fat and then when i meet a lot of the guys it's like meeting my accountant and i'm like okay so because and you guys are a different kind of people i mean i've never met so many of you guys that are so well read and so versed on a lot of different subjects so what was it like you know because there's a lot of guys i'm sure that you watched you know ring the bell quit what was it that you were just like just one more rep. I just have to do one more sit-up or one more push-up. What was it about you that made you through the, pass through the ranks and get and get selected?
1: Um, man, I, I, yeah, let's see. How do I let's see? I, I think you really just need to learn how to, or maybe have a, a mentality where you're able to kind of partition. Um, your, your goals. Uh, if you're able to, if you're able to set lofty goals, stay focused and develop a, you know, a decisive plan to achieve that goal, you know, that's, that's one aspect of it, but then to be able to partition, you know, that plan or that glide path, you know, and kind of break it up. Um, I think that that's, that's important. Um, really. I, I, I think that, a lot of it might just have to do with a, a competitive nature that I've, I've had since uh, I was a kid. Um, just, uh, being, uh, uh playing sports and then, you know, later uh, racing BMX bikes and, and just uh, having that very competitive nature, I think kind of laid the, the foundation for uh, me wanting to not only challenge myself, but, um, set goals and, and achieve them. So really I, it, it, it is a mindset, uh, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's
0: well, I, you know, because I just, I just, it's amazing how the people that I've talked to that have gone through it now. And, and I would never, if I met them outside, I would have never known that there were, you know, some special operators. And, you know, one thing I love about you, because, you know, I, I've actually talked to some of the guys that you actually went through basic and selection with just to get to know what kind of guy you are. And one of the, a, lot, a lot of the guys would say that you, you were like to the motivator for a lot of guys. That, <laughs> you know, it was like if shit had to get done, even though if it was a crappy detail, you would still make it fun and your guys loved you. So talk about that. You know, being a leader is, you know, being there's a difference between, you know, being somebody that people want to follow and somebody just marking you as a leader. So can you talk about what being a real leader is like?
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I think that, um, and the Army does a great job of this, I think that um, shared suffering uh, really brings a lot of people together. And, uh, you know, you can take it one of two ways. You know, you can, you can really get poopy about it and get upset. Um, you, can, you can really just harp on how hard and negative things are. Or you can keep it light. You can have fun. You can you can you can make fun of how bad it really is. And if you're if you're able to kind of maintain that optimism, that glass half full uh, mentality, it, it, it really brings people up. And in times of true suffering, or really tough times, if, be it in a schoolhouse environment, a training environment, you know, real world deployment environment, um, guys will rally around that and. You know, um, when, you're, when you're around a group of like-minded individuals, you have a tendency to kind of play off each other's strengths, play off each other's weaknesses. And, you know, I think that's the, the best way to really build people up and continue driving forward is just to um, stay positive and not get too wrapped around the axle when things get tough.
0: And one thing I love about you is one thing I've I heard people, you know, you say and also other people say, talking about organized chaos – <laughs> yeah. can you talk about that a little bit because i i love you know because like even when i was in the military it was like when stuff hit the fan it's like everything kind of slowed down for me instead of speeding up everything kind of slowed down and i i kind of when everything was when the crap hit the fan i was like i'm okay with this i can deal with organized chaos yeah. so, so talk to us about organized chaos in your in your opinion
1: yeah so um <laughs> um uh, there's just there's something about um, uh, I don't, there's something about just kind of uncluttering a problem and bringing some some structure in order to it uh, that I that I just I enjoy. Uh, there's just something I really I, I take great pleasure uh, in being able to do that. But um, I think that with organizing that chaos, you know, especially when you're when you're working in a high risk environment or you're working you know, in an organization um, where there's real consequences, there are real risks involved. And, you know, as, as leaders, we talk about um, risk management and risk mitigation. Um, But within that, within that chaos, you know, there is a level of risk that you need to be comfortable with assuming uh, in order to achieve, you know, your objective or, you know, complete the mission. Um, if you're able to do the best that you can plan within the, the constraints and restraints that, that are presented to you, maximize your ability to mitigate or manage that risk. Um, it's going to empower you to kind of jump into the fire or, continue moving, moving forward, even when things are going crazy. And, you know, maybe it's not working out how you would like it to, or you've got five or six different moving pieces that are in in, in your face, you have to address now. Um, So just having that frame of mind where you're able to step back, assess the situation for what it is, and really uh, kind of compartmentalize those problems so that you can organize that chaos. um, That's, uh, that's probably the the the, the best way uh, I could say, um, I I address or, or um, kind of perceive that.
0: Ordin- now, how, many, how many years did you do in the military?
1: Uh, I served uh,
0: twelve years on active duty, and uh, before that,
1: the, the, the two years in the National Guard as a as a cadet.
0: Now, you know, a lot of people think you know once you get to your ten year mark you know if you're in for 10 you might as well be in for 20. So what was your mindset like when you decided to get out? Um I I never really wanted to do a full 20
1: uh in the military. Um I I saw my time in the military as as a duty. Um I wanted to serve. Um I felt a, a calling to serve. But I also saw it uh as a um I wanted to improve myself professionally and personally. And uh, I knew that I wanted to, at some point uh, in the military, pivot and build on those experiences in the military uh, as a civilian uh, business owner. Um,
0: yeah. Let's see. Cause you know, cause like a lot of guys that I talked to and girls, you know, um, Well, even though we're in the military and we're all all who and uh, hardcore and all that, you know, we get get used to getting paid on the 1st and the 15th. You know, we get used to getting paid BAQ, BAH, TRICARE. Mm -hmm. And then once you hit the streets, you know, the military does not care about you one bit. And a lot of people that I talk to when they get out, you know, they either want to start a T-shirt company, a hat company, liquor or coffee. And then six months later they're in ten $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. Mm-hmm. So when you got out, what was your transitioning like? Um,
1: I actually had a really good, uh, transition experience. Um, so, you know, I was, a officer in, uh, special forces. I was at 10 special forces group, uh, at Fort Carson and, um, the 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 unit I I kind of I kind of saw uh, where things were moving and shaking with my career um, I you know I was kind of looking to my left and my right I was uh, looking one two and three levels up and uh, I just was kind of getting away from you know my, my, my team time was done I kind of ping ponged in and out of some staff positions uh, and I just sitting behind a desk just wasn't really for me. And so I kind of raised my hand. I was like, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to grad school um, while I'm still you know, on active duty. And um, this is kind of my plan. You know, I want to go to grad school. I'm going to you know develop a, a business plan. I want to go on and be an entrepreneur. And um, the, the guys at 10th Group were very supportive of that plan and really uh, allowed me to pursue that. Um, So once it came time to actually transition, uh, 10th Group had developed a uh, transition program. It was like a workshop kind of thing. It was like, I don't know, two, three days long, something like that. And it was basically similar to like the Army's SFL tap, but it was focused more towards SF guys and operators. Um, And I I took a lot from that program. I uh, was able to get involved with some nonprofits that uh, really Provided some help with kind of steering the direction that I wanted to go post military. Um, was able to find some great mentors uh, in the civilian sector uh, who really became champions of uh, you know what I was trying to do and really getting behind you know my 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 business plan. And um, I also maximized some of the, the resources from uh, SFL Tap. Uh, there's a um, the career skills program that they offer, I believe is what it's, uh, what it's called, uh, where you can basically do an internship, uh, while you're still on active duty, uh, with a business or company within whatever industry it is you want to get into post-military. So I was able to intern for three months with a, a local, um, high-end automotive and restoration shop here in Colorado Springs that, um, be, it became an uh, excellent opportunity for me. I, I learned so much from these guys, um, everything from the the te- technical side of uh, maintenance and restoration to just kind of the, the daily operations of the the shop and the business itself. And um, yeah, that that turned into a working partnership uh, after after the military, where the owner of the shop actually um, was. Uh, and is still a running space to me where I'm able to springboard and launch my business. So um, yeah, the transition transition process for me was um, very beneficial. And I think um, I have to say not only was it beneficial because of the, the, the mentorship and the opportunities that were provided to me, but my, my mindset going in where I wanted to maximize every opportunity available to me in order to, create the best plan and the best foundation uh, leaving the military and then jumping into the civilian sector. And then from there, just launching. So um, yeah, it was, it was actually a a very, uh, very
0: good experience for me. Now, you know, I'm a big shark tank guy. I love shark tank. And and the one thing I love when anybody gets in front of them, they tell them, you know, if you do not have a business plan, you have a hobby. You do not have (laughs) a business. So tell us, folks. I think, one of the best things about military personnel is we all p you know, we all know what a nine line is. So, but I think a lot of times we forget when we get out that in order to start a business, you definitely should have a at least a one page business plan. So, what was your, you know, sitting down and having to, and writing out a business plan? What was that like? Um. Well.
1: Um... My my business plan was definitely um, a little more involved. Uh, so I went to uh, I went to grad school and uh, was accepted into an MBA program uh, through a uh, University of Colorado here in Colorado Springs, uh, and I jumped into grad school, um, knowing that that was going to be the the focus of my studies uh, would be my business plan, and it would be developing that business plan and strategy going forward so um, I think I use grad school as a forcing function to uh, really carve out some time uh, to develop that plan um, you, you know just being a being an infantry officer and then being a special forces officer especially in special forces I mean that that is what we do you know we we plan we strategize we forecast and so I'm not and again, it's, it's that, uh, that's organizing that chaos. It's, it's, uh, assuming that risk, but then managing and mitigating it. And I had time and, you know, you know, if I'm going to use, you know, the, 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 the time available to develop the best plan available, uh, I'm going to maximize that. And so I, I gave myself a good two years uh, in that graduate program to develop that plan and develop that strategy. Um, so yes, I do have the uh, one page executive summary, but, um, I maximized my opportunities with the GI bill to, um, to go to grad school and really develop that plan over two years.
0: You know, and now a lot of people, uh, you know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people, you know, started businesses and then all of a sudden COVID hit and now they're hearing crickets. Like Mm -hmm. I have a friend, he's in the auto body business. And he has cars sitting out there for sometimes four to six weeks, just trying to get parts. So Mm -hmm. talk, you know, talk to us about, you know, did you have to pivot during COVID and what, 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 what did you have to do to survive this last year or two?
1: So, yes, I I had to pivot hard. Uh, So the, the primary focus of my business, um, although yes, uh, I'm, I'm focusing on uh, restoration and sales, uh, but the, the primary focus of the initial business model was importation. So uh, just a little backstory on the, on the business, or I guess for some context. So uh, the, the, business model is importing, restoring, and selling uh, classic Land Rover defenders um, basically from Europe. So um, my, my, my time in special forces with 10 special forces group was uh, primarily in Europe. So um, I was able to, build my network a bit while I was over there. I was able to uh, identify some contacts and uh, sources for these trucks. Uh, If anyone's familiar with these vehicles, they're very hard to find and very sought after in the United States. Uh, There's a very limited amount of them that were imported uh, back in the 90s. So um, there's a high demand signature for these vehicles, uh, but the importation process can be a little bit convoluted. Um, It's difficult here and there for several different reasons I won't get into. But the primary focus of the business really was to scout uh, these trucks in Europe and then import them over. Well, when COVID hit, uh, you know, travel was off the table. Um, so I was, I was dead in the water really with the importation stuff. Um, as things kind of lightened up a bit with COVID um, and the supply chain kind of opened back up with, with shipping operations and things like that over, overseas, um, availability of vehicles um, is, is there, but you know I can't be like that boots on the ground guy in europe uh you know inspecting you know doing the handshakes and you know signing the paperwork with the with the guys selling so i really had to rely on those relationships that i built with uh, some of the suppliers and some of those people on the ground in europe and then having them you know send stuff over here uh so i had i did have to pivot the business and decided to focus more on the restoration uh side of things um fortunately for me um you know i i'm still early enough in the business that uh, things are still pretty fluid and I can stay flexible. Um, You know, I'm, I'm still pretty small uh, in scale. So I really didn't have to adapt and overcome, you know, too far or didn't have to go too far down the rabbit hole, you know, kind of to that point of no return. So um, I was actually very fortunate uh, that I did have options, but you're right. You know, plan goes out the window after the first time you get punched in the face. And I think the big takeaway from that is, the name of the game is adaptability, flexibility. You know, you, you don't, you don't want to have a plan, stick to the plan. You'll end up just finding yourself fighting that plan. You know, you, you really want to be able to stay flexible and adaptable and you want to have your contingencies. You know, you want to have that pace plan that we all talk about in the military, you know, that primary alternate contingency and emergency. So in the event that you do have to pivot, shift, refocus, whatever it is you have, that second, third, fourth course of action that you can fall into and continue driving on.
0: Yeah. And I love that, you know, like we were taught, you know, you fight with what you have, not with what you want, (laughs) you know? So sometimes you just have to figure, just have to figure stuff out. Now talk to us about niching down because I mean, like you really like niche down to the, you know, one set of vehicles instead Mm -hmm. of just being SUVs or, you know, um, you know, all this different stuff. So what made you focus down to that one niche? And do um, you think that serves you well being the big dog in that niche because it's a smaller niche? I, I think it does serve me well um, from a, a couple couple standpoints. One, um, I've
1: been a Land Rover enthusiast for a very, very long time, um, since, since I was a kid. And um, it's just something I've been passionate about. And I think that you know, you need passion as a motivator because it, you know if you don't enjoy what you're doing or you don't believe in what you're doing, um, you're very quickly going to find excuses not to do it, and then that's when you start, you know, your 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 quality of products and services maybe uh, will start to degrade as well. So I think passion is important, and uh, this is something I've been passionate about for a long time, and specifically uh, this style of vehicle. Um, I think also when in the military we kind of talk about span of control, right. You know, you, you don't want to have and even just by nature of kind of the structure of, you know, you could talk about your basic, uh, infantry, uh, platoon, right. You, you've got a, a few guys on a fire team. You got that fire team leader, you know, then you got your squad leaders in charge of those two fire team leaders. Then you got like your platoon leader, platoon sergeant, they're in charge of, you know, three to four squad leaders. So you don't want to spread yourself too thin with your span of control. So, um, when you're when you're niching down you, you really want to focus on being really good at maybe one or two or three things it, it you know it, you, you in essence can become a, a jack of all trades and a master of none but that can also play to your detriment because now you're you're spreading yourself so thin that you're just kind of like you're watering down every touch point you have with everything that you do and you're not really you know a subject matter expert at that one thing, providing that, you know, that quality of good and service that, that the customer is demanding.
0: Okay. So now I have a question now. I'm sure there's people around you that see that is starting to see your success and they're wanting you to mentor them. Do you mentor people also? Um, I do. Um, yeah,
1: nothing, nothing formal, but, um, I, I've had several, um, several cadets, um, several, uh, young lieutenants, uh, they, at various points in their career who've actually reached out to me, uh, via LinkedIn and, uh, yeah, they, they just like, Hey, I, I want to do what you did in the military. You know, how do I get there? Or even some of them just asking me some, some basic questions about, um, the, the transition as well, you know, Hey, how did you, how did you transition from, you know military life and you know hey it looks like you're you know you've got you've got it all together hey how are you, how are you making this happen you know uh, as a civilian and as a business owner i can't say i have all the answers you know because i'm i'm building the plane in flight you know, as we're as we're moving along but um yes I, I feel that um as as a leader and as an officer in the military um that's just it's what we do you know we 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 teach coach we mentor and that's not just that's not just officers you know any anyone in the military you know as soon as you're in a leadership position you know you teach coach and mentor the people under you and that doesn't stop it shouldn't stop when you leave the military to take that uniform off uh and so i i'm honored that people do want to reach out to me and ask me questions and i am always I'm always available to at least provide my opinion or my insights. And um, I'll say this too, that um, I think a lot of that also comes from, from my dad and my upbringing. You know, like I said, he was a, he was a collegiate athlete. He was a quarterback. He just has these natural leadership abilities. And if you want it or not, my dad's going to give you advice, you know, and it's, it's usually pretty good. And so I kind of take that at heart and want to do the same. Just uh, yeah. If people want to reach out to me for mentorship or just eat information or questions. I'm always available to answer.
0: Okay. So t- talk to us about what you got going on now and how we can support your mission and how we can get in touch with you.
1: Uh, yeah. So um, what I've got going on right now, um, it is my business defender imports. Um, we focus on importing, restoring and selling classic land Rover defenders. Um, that is my primary focus right now. Um, you know, I, am still in kind of the, the infant stages of the business. You know, um, I, I technically started the business in April, 2019, but I was still on active duty. I was in grad school. It was kind of a side hustle, it was a part-time gig. Uh, we didn't really launch as a full-time operation until the beginning of this year. You know, I, I just separated from the military back in November, 2020. So, um, you know, it's still in its infant stages, but, um, yeah, definitely. I've I've got some prospects on the horizon. I've got some some great uh, mentorship uh, opportunities um, that I think are going to be great going forward. Uh, kind of developing that that glide path, uh, scaling the business up, and kind of expanding um, the the off roading and kind of more specifically the overlanding industry. Uh, you know, basically, just kind of the vehicle based. Travel over land, uh, is a, is a booming industry. It's been very popular in the United States. There's a there's a lot of room for penetration, a lot of room for development. So focusing solely on the importation and fo- focusing solely on the restoration uh, side of things might not, you know, I might want to expand to some other aspects of that in the future. But um, that's that's what we got going on right now. Um, as for getting a, as for getting a hold of me, uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, have a website for the um, for the business it's um, all my contact information is there but basically it's just a placeholder the, the website itself is under construction right now
0: all right so now last question I asked everybody and
1: because I, I asked
0: the question and I get ask a thousand people I get a thousand different answers you know we live in a crazy world I got small kids so they're homeschooling and we got parents sometimes work in two jobs, maybe driving Uber just to put food on their kids in their kid's mouth. So we live in a crazy time. So if I ask somebody to do something and the average person to do something in seven days, they probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody is struggling in their business, what is something they can do in the next 20 hours to start to write the ship? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I think that um, I think self-assessment and self-reflection is important. Um, you know, in, in special forces, you know, we talk about the the soft imperatives, and that first soft imperative is always understanding the operational environment. Um, I think it's important because not only are you understanding what's going on around you, but you're understanding how you are operating within that environment, projecting yourself out. Uh, in that environment and being received, so if you're able to look inward and do some self-reflection, I think that's important. And um, you know, that's kind of a, a broad, maybe uh, kind of broad recommendation, but but kind of dial it in a little more focused um, as you're setting objective, or I should say, setting goals for yourself, or developing a plan to achieve those goals. Um, you want to partition that plan, kind of like what I was getting at before and kind of set benchmarks, milestones, and what I like to call micro objectives along the way. Um, If you're able to just sit down and kind of look at maybe assess what you're doing, look at your end state, look at your goal, and then look at your path that you have laid to get To and achieve that goal Um, if it if it's not working out for you um do just get have that hard conversation with yourself you know and um shift your plan you know make adjustments um like I said you can't you can't fight the plan and um if you're able to reassess maybe what some of those micro objectives are it could be something as simple as hey um Um, In six months, I need to be doing this. Okay, well, what are you doing next week in order to achieve that goal? And you can start carving out and redefining that plan to achieve that goal. And that's something that you could easily do, I'd say, within a 24-hour span.
0: Thank you. I love it. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You know, I want to thank our sponsor, um, Office Allies, for taking care of us. And if you guys ever need an office assistant, everybody needs one, especially in this day of covid um, so, definitely check out officeallies.va. Uh, brother, thank you so much for coming on and hanging out. I truly appreciate you. And if there's anything I can do to help p- promote your business, it would be my honor.
1: Hey, Richard, I appreciate it. And I just appreciate the opportunity to be a part of the conversation. Um, truly grateful. Thank you. Right,
0: brother, well, God bless you. I sent you a friend request on Facebook. That's what I do. Most of my damage is on Facebook and then LinkedIn. So I appreciate you. And this will go out in the next couple of weeks and I'll uh, tag you and cause it's going to go out on 10 different platforms. So it's going to go out to like 1.4 million people. So, Oh, that's awesome. So I just want to say thank you. And if there's anything I can do to help, I'm always there for you, brother.
1: Hey, thanks man. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day.
0: God bless. Have a beautiful week. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us today please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.